What's up, everyone? This is Zach, and you are listening to the iDGen podcast. We talk about crypto, technology, security, and culture. We're going to balance the hype and the hate, cut through that misinformation and the ego. We're looking for the signal in the noise. Sadly, I'm alone this week. Hunt and I mixed up schedules, crisscrossed, just a ton of things going on. So I am going to drop it down for you, talk about what is going on this week in crypto security news. Today is November 8th, so we're going to be looking back at the last seven or eight days since our last episode. We're talking about the Gala Games. Strange story. A lot of missing weird details and different... different. Uh, Different points of view, I guess. We'll get into that. Huge, huge story dropping on Silk Road, the dark market that seems to never stop giving. That's some interesting news on that this week. Yeah, a bunch of other stuff. So let's dig right in. Oh, actually, before we do that, little bit of house cleaning. I noticed a couple days ago that our podcast on Apple just sort of disappeared. And I'm not totally sure why that is. I spent a number, multiple hours actually, on the phone with support and trying to figure out why that is. Seems like if you're already subscribed there, you're probably still able to see the shows and get updates. But I don't know, super weird, and we're, I'm working on that. All right, moving right in. This week, I'm going to try and hit everything with a, a date, time. Going to keep them in chronological order, a little more fluid. So we're starting off November 1st. These are the primary crypto security headlines that I've pulled down. Hacks, DeFi hacks, these kinds of things. Number one, Rogue Actor Disrupts the Lightning Network. This is November 1st with a single transaction. Allegedly, he created a non-standard Bitcoin transaction that prevents users from opening new Lightning channels. This is a bit of a surprise. I'm not aware of any previous Lightning Network incidents quite like this. So no new channels were able to be opened. This fella who goes by Barack on Twitter, B-R-Q-G-O-O, tweeted out shortly after, I owe this statement to the community. One, I love breaking things. Two, I broke the LND for fun and I will break it again if I can. Three, I'm not sponsored by Blockstream. Four, he's shouting out some love to some Twitter handles. Five, I'm in favor of multiple implementations. And six, op return was for trolling. There were definitely people who were vocal about the way that he chose to break this. I think maybe the thought was he could have just submitted a bug report ahead of time and gotten this fixed without actually breaking it but hey 
this is the way it played out. I've got the actual GitHub issue where he goes into details about how he did it. Essentially, some uh, kind of like mixed up the chaos, uh, the chaos, the consensus. So some type of consensus issue that he was able to exploit and cause that. It was quickly fixed. Everything's fine. Moving on, but he's going to break it again if he can. All right, next one, also from November 1st. This is a thread. I'm just going to call this one out and not really get into it, but if you don't already follow Zach XBT on Twitter, uh, this is Gone Fishing for $5 million, an investigation of OX Poor, a.k.a. Elliot. Interesting tale of all kinds of phishing and scamming and the NFT world rug pulling. It's it's all in there. So excellent investigative work, a lot of on-chain sleuthing going on. Just calling that out if you're interested. Check the show notes. You can find those at wolfdefi.com slash i dash dgen next one november 2nd 2022 phylum discovers dozens more pypi packages attempting to deliver wasp stealer in an ongoing supply chain attack this is not directly related to crypto although i do believe i spotted this in the eth security channel i've been getting a ton of interesting links from that telegram group i'm trying to call those out and and source them from there when i get them but so the reason i wanted to mention this is because as a so pypi is like a python library or a a python package management tool and so if you write a script in python and you are including some third-party libraries, it's pretty standard. You just use the import statement to do that. These guys create these fake packages. They have an additional import statement, and that's where the malicious WASP comes in, W4ASP. Seems like it should be WASP. I don't know how to say it there, but um, what does this thing do? It downloads a script, at least right now, will in turn grab cookies and passwords from browsers and send that data off to Discord via webhook. So this is in-browser JavaScript stuff. Uh, I'm sorry, this is not JavaScript in-browser. We're going to talk about that one in a second. This is the um, Python package issue. So uh, yeah, if you import these scripts, then... You know, if, if you load up one of these libraries into your code, then this is what it's going to go for. It's going to be going after those cookies and passwords. So it's worth mentioning in the context of crypto, I think, because, you know, these are the types of malware that if something like this were to make its way into a prominent Python crypto package, you know, these supply chain attacks can have far-reaching consequences. Main point, I guess, is keep a close eye on what packages you import into your scripts coming after the supply chain. All right, next one, November 1st, 2022, crypto exchange Deribit loses 28 million in a hack. I think this is the biggest hack of the week. And 
extremely boring as far as I can tell. It looks like there was a hot wallet compromise, but I was not able to find any information about how that wallet was compromised exactly, right? So whether that was profanity or just, you know, them losing a key, I don't know. Wasn't able to find any information about that. Coming in about a week later, so yesterday, it looks like the hacker is moving stolen ETH through Tornado Cash. So that's the only follow-up I have on that one going back to November 1st. All right, now we're moving on to November 2nd. OpenSea now auto-detects and blocks stolen NFTs and disables scam links. Wanted to take a look into this and see what exactly they were doing. Looks like they've launched a new theft detection and prevention features. One feature detects and disables scam links shared on the platform, while the other identifies stolen NFTs and blocks their resale. So the first piece, the tool automatically scans and links any users, uh, automatically scans and links that users entered into the marketplace. Sorry, I'm uh, botching these, uh, botching this one pretty bad here. So the tool basically automatically scans any links that you put into the marketplace and it disables any that point to known scams. So really basic stuff here. Seemed like this was a marketing and PR stunt to me, but if we dig in a little more, there is also a feature that redirects to websites with malicious code that could swipe NFTs from someone's wallet. On the one hand, the tool relies on an expanding blacklist tracking identified exploits, but it also goes one step further by simulating transactions through any wallet connectivity prompts on the linked website. So that's a little more interesting to me. You drop a link into OpenSea. Now, presumably, they have a sandbox, a bot, some type of analysis engine that's going to go out. It's going to load up that link. And especially if that link prompts you to connect a wallet, it's going to attempt to connect a wallet and start to simulate transactions directly with that, we've last week we talked about some tools that are uh, being released, have been released recently. This seems like a trend in the Web3 security space. These tools for transaction um, simulation. And I don't know if they develop this in house or how it's working. But it's interesting to see that they're using it and how it might play out. Be fun to play with a little. You could put up, uh, I guess you could put up your own, post up a site, tries to load a wallet, and just as a means of like denial of service, see if you could get their engine to simulate a bunch of transactions or break their transaction simulator. Probably coming. Someone's going to probably figure it out or you know just do it naturally i think these types of applications are always a little rough around the edges in the beginning 
in respect to blacklisting links, I think they have to do something. And so that's better than nothing. But this is the the game of cat and mouse that has been played in web two for years. And it's a little disappointing, but I guess I don't know how a, a centralized NFT exchange is, is going to deal with something like this without using, you know, kind of standard and existing measures. So it makes sense, but I just, I guess I wish that maybe decentralized exchanges were more prominent now how do you solve the the theft the stolen nft problem that's a whole nother discussion i guess with OpenSea, it's not clear to me with this update how they decide when an nft is officially stolen i'm sure there's some policy that they have internally for that but um, once it's decided stolen that's it i guess they will block it from being sold i think that's been they've been doing that for a while. So I'm not sure. Maybe there's new elements of that. November 2nd, a thousand Solana validators go offline as Hetzner blocks server access. Here, I will read you a letter that they sent out. Dear client, we require you to delete all activity regarding Solana in order to get your servers unlocked. Our system policy states clearly that we do not allow cryptocurrency on our servers. So it shouldn't come as a surprise to you when we act. Please remove Solana permanently on all your servers to get your server unlocked. Kind regards. Da, 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 da. That email I did grab from the ETH security channel. Someone posted it there. Folks were quick to point out that there are also a lot of ETH nodes running on that hosting provider. They, as far as I know, were not shut down. Is it because the Solana node tends to be more resource intensive? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe ETH is up next and they're kind of going in batches. I don't know, but if you're running an ETH node on Hetzner, you should probably take it down. Sounds like they have pretty clearly made it against their terms of service. So. I don't think it had a meaningful impact on the Solana network. Uh, immediately, I think things were business as usual as those servers likely, as those nodes likely moved to new servers, and new hosting. November 2nd, from the Rubik team on Twitter, uh, they are a cross-chain DEX. An admin wallet address has been compromised. This one, again, same scenario. I dug around. I looked through tweets and posts, postmortems, and no, it, it's not clear how the wallet was compromised. They don't mention it. So is it profanity? Again, last week we said it's probably going to keep happening. Profanity being the... Vanity Ethereum address generator that used uh, had a bug that allowed essentially um, reduce the source of entropy for address generation, meaning that with a relatively reasonable amount of, I think, GPUs, you could just crack 
vanity addresses that were generated with that tool. This has been an ongoing thing for a month and a half now, maybe more. And yep, seems like it's the case. Don't know for sure though. Definitely um, couldn't find any info on that. November 3rd, Skyward Finance, Treasury drained for $3.2 million. This one's from Wrecked, so we've got a proper DeFi attack here. What it comes down to, if you dig in, there is a function that lacked proper verification of a token account ID's parameter. And that allowed the attacker to loop the redemption of this WNIR token repeatedly passing their withdrawal within the transaction. And this was on the near network. I think first one to make it to the front page of Wrecked, the top 100 on near. They go out to talk about how it's, the, the it's, I'll just quote, the fact that it took over a year for anyone to find this relatively simple exploit is remarkable. I don't know. Maybe... That is, you know, I, I don't know. This is a common topic of discussion here on IDGen. You know, how many more of these are out there? How many of these low-hanging fruit hacks are out there? You would think that as the news and the momentum, heck, even the downturn in the markets in the past few months would probably lead people to you know, um, nefarious activities, right? But you'd think that these things would start to clear up. There would be fewer. I don't think that's what we're seeing. I, I don't know. There's, it's, it's complicated because, of course, you have more protocol, new protocols being deployed every day. And I am excited. As a side note, I think we are working on a cool upcoming guest, and we have, I'm hoping... We're going to talk about, propose the idea of kind of talking about crypto security and what makes it so hard. We're going to dig into some of that, hopefully with that guest. We'll see. Okay, the next one. This is coming in on November 5th. Pando Rings is hacked by someone. <laughs> That's my uh, headline there. It's really unclear. This There's not a lot of information on this one. The reason I wanted to mention it this did come from the East Security Channel as well. I have been thinking about how there is a high likelihood that we're only seeing the really high-profile DeFi attacks. Those are the ones that make the news. You know, um, if you have lower TVL total value locked protocols out there, and they get owned for Twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars here, there, a million, even maybe. Right? Seems to me like there's a good chance they may not be jumping up and raising their hand to tell the world they got owned. So we're really relying on the this emerging world of ETH of Web three security firms to put eyes on these. I think, and it just seems to me like there's a lot there. There it's likely that there's a lot of smaller, lower profile attacks taking place. And so this, I believe, is one of them. And the way that this gentleman 
or lady found this was super interesting to me. There is a Telegram channel they linked, ETH messages. And all this Telegram channel does is echo out Ethereum messages, Ethereum transactions that contain message data. So when you send an Ethereum transaction, standard transaction, you can include arbitrary data with that transaction. And people often do include messages in there. So some of it is human readable, some of it's not, some of it's gibberish, but there are messages in there. And so this person found this attack because they saw messages between addresses negotiating with the black hat, as I understand it. So I have started watching that channel and looking at those messages. And it seems likely to me that there's certainly some of those. There's a lot of noise. And occasionally in the last 24 hours or so that I've been looking at it, there's other interesting stuff. So hopefully we're going to be able to find some of these more low profile attacks and see if we can't get some eyes on those. November 3rd, arbitrage traders make over 6.5 million from the Gala Games scare. This one, I, I'm not even sure where to begin. That wasn't the right place to begin. I'll tell you that. That, that was sort of the end. Let, let's start at the top. Uh, Peck Shield tweets about a possible hack. And then we have this P network, which turns out they're like a, it looks like a bridge. They quickly come out after the Peck Shield tweet saying, hey, it looks like Gala Games may have an issue. Well, the P network team comes out and says, oh, no, no, no. Um, actually, we noticed that this these P Gala tokens were not safe. There was an issue with the liquidity pool, not 100% sure. So it coordinated the attack to prevent malicious players from taking advantage of the situation. Okay, sounds like it makes sense. Little, little odd, but all right. We're, we're seeing this, right? All these, you know, we, we've talked about these conditions in the past. What do you do if you're a white hat and you see it? You exploit it, take the funds, and take the risk. Sounds like that's the, the direction they, they took. Well, the Gala Games token fell roughly 30% due to this white hat attack. And this is where things are going to get blurry. I am sorry that I don't have all the details. I really would love to be able to articulately speak through every component of this. But before, before recording, I was digging and digging and digging and it just kept getting stranger and stranger. So in in this case, that was from Crypto Slate. They're saying that the White Hat attack printed 1 billion new tokens. Okay. So I guess that's um, the nature of the White Hat attack. Now, what later happens is another article here from Crypto Slate says the white hat hacker has netted 4 million from arbitrage trades. So I think at this point, it's really not fair to call it a white hat. Like you can't just say, hey, I did this to save things. Oh, and by the way, as a result of this 
coin saving move, I also decided that I might as well act on that intelligence and make a ton of money. So now we've got Huobi involved. And what they've alleged is that the Gala incident was not a white hat operation as P network has claimed, but an attack that gave the protocol 4.5 million in profit. So according to the exchange, there were other premeditated operations during the incident, which resulted in over 10 million in profit for the parties involved. Huobi continued that the P network team did not inform it that it would attack the P gala token, despite communicating with it 50 minutes before the incident. Super odd. And we've got this awesome thread from at look on chain. And so he goes through, he's calling it an attacker. There's no white hat about it saying an attacker minted 55.6 billion gala immediately dumped the minted gala to pancake swap. Earned a total of 12,977 BNB, 4.4 million. He drained the pancake swap to zero. Then some arbitragers found and started buying Gala from pancake swap, then moved it to Huobi to sell, which caused the price of Gala on Huobi to drop from 4 cents to 0. 0.0003 cents, more than 99%. He's tracking, he goes on to track some of the addresses, the gas fees and things. Sounds like a bridge misconfiguration, according to the P network, but it's unsure. And now they're talking about, you know, how P, P network's talking about how they're going to make it right. New P Gala tokens will be created to replace the old compromised one and dropped. I mean, it's just super strange. This whole thing does not make sense to me. And I'm surprised that it hasn't been a bigger deal. Doesn't There weren't too many stories on it. But, man, it's getting blurry. You know, I don't think the term white hat is appropriate in this context, but Hey, I guess we will see. All right, moving on. This is our last DeFi or security primary security news link of the week. November 7th, the U S attorney announces a historic 3.36 billion cryptocurrency seizure and conviction in connection with the Silk Road dark web fraud. Anybody paying attention is going to notice quickly that that 3.36 billion number was the value of the Bitcoins when they were seized last year. No longer worth that, but right, got to grab that headline. Damian Williams, I'll, I'll read you from the uh, Justice Department. 
Damian Williams, the United States Attorney for the Southern District Court of New York, and Tyler Hatcher, the Special Agent in charge of the Internal Revenue Service Criminal Investigation Los Angeles Field Office, announced today that James Zong pled guilty to committing wire fraud in September 2012 when he unlawfully obtained over 50,000 bitcoins from the Silk Road Dark Web Internet Marketplace. Zong pled guilty on Friday, November 4th, 2022 before the United States District Judge. So, couple of interesting points on this. They found the coins in various places. One of them was the bottom of a popcorn tin. It's unclear to me if it was like a hard wallet sitting there. They said it was like a circuit board or something. So, I don't know if it was like a false bottom like that kind of hidden or what but crazy guys living in georgia in the u.s apparently just stays put um triggered okay let's talk about how it was done from also from the court proceedings September 2012, Zong executed a scheme to defraud the Silk Road of its money and property by creating a a string of approximately nine Silk Road accounts, fraud accounts, in a manner designed to conceal his identity, triggering over 140 transactions in rapid succession in order to trick Silk Road's withdrawal processing system into releasing approximately 50,000 Bitcoins from its Bitcoin-based payment system and into Zong's accounts crazy 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 one count of wire fraud seems low to me but i don't know i don't know silk road still going i think that it's very clear that it's meant to make a case you know, they, they really want to make sure that, uh, you know, people know that they're going to go after dark net market. I mean, even uh, this, I don't know that this one, is, it's tough to wrap your head around this, I think, because he stole from a dark net marketplace. He hacked and stole from it. And his charge is wire fraud. I read a lot of different banter and comments on this. And people are like, why didn't he just mix it? You know, move to another country, mix it, take off. Like he's just literally sitting on this stuff doing nothing. I don't know. I mean, what do you do in that case? Put yourself in this guy's shoes. Who knows? how advanced this attack was it's it's hard to say i mean it doesn't seem incredibly complicated but it, i guess it depends on how he was able to to get those to, to get the database to trigger those withdrawals and i don't know maybe he didn't have a long-term plan maybe he was just like let me see if i can do this oh my god it worked and he did it and then he was like what do i do now ah I'll just sit on them, do nothing with them. 
I don't know. You you think in a case like this, I mean, it's 2012, that's 10 years ago. 10 years ago. So, yeah. All right, that's it for the main news for the week. Already at 30 minutes, I'm going to brush through a few more links Got a link to these guys that are claiming to make Web3 antivirus. I had to look into it. It seems like they're doing, it's a browser plugin that does, you might guess it, like transaction uh, pre-processing, same kind of stuff we keep hearing about, and they're calling it AV. So I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I've always been into the antivirus side of things, and it was like Web3 AV. Seems like it's a little bit marketing style, but uh, yeah, link link to uh, one of their product release write-ups if you're curious about that. I've got a Web3 developer report. This actually came back in the end of October, but I love reading these things. It's interesting to see what tools people are using, You know what type of contracts are being deployed, all, all this stuff. So um, it's a good report. We've got that included in the show notes if you want to take a look. I was a slave up to 100,000 held captive by Chinese cyber criminals in Cambodia. This one's from the LA Times. I, man, this is just, this is crazy stuff. We talked recently about Southeast Asian. Um, there was a story about a similar kind of scenario as this that we talked about. And in this particular one, um, the guy says he was dumped into a high-rise building above a casino. So first of all, he was duped. It was a job offer online, paid more money than he makes now. He said, sure, I'll give it a try. Put him on a bus kind of thing. Uh, next thing you know, he's dumped in a high-rise building above a casino. He was turned over to mobsters who seized his passport and put him to work bilking gamblers on a sham sports betting app. So... Similar theme, these people being held captive and forced to scam. I, I, until reading these articles recently, it didn't even occur to me that the folks behind some of these scams would be held against their will. It's sad. I mean, that's, yeah. If you're looking for something to be thankful for, I guess, thankful you are not a captive of the Chinese cyber criminals in Cambodia. My God. All right. Um, interesting write-up on a new stealer in the wild. This is what I mentioned in the beginning about the JavaScript uh, browser-based stealer, kind of similar to that Python one in the data that it's stealing. But um, this one was is focused around crypto. So if you're into malware, especially malware related to crypto, check the show notes for that link it was uh or just check out uh harry.eth s at s-n-i-k-o underscore on twitter looks like he's from the metamask security team pretty cool reverse walk through a little reverse engineering of how that stuff works or this new stealer um november 3rd the Yearn security team has discovered a vulnerability in a third-party bribe version 2 contract. They reported it, as I understand it, got it fixed. So solid 
November 3rd, a theft ring that allegedly made millions from catalytic converters has been busted. Yeah, I threw this in there because, I don't know, I've probably been overly paranoid about catalytic converter theft, but it just seems, it is just constant. Um, it's just, it's been increasing, sorry, not even constant, like exponentially through COVID and just, I mean, this is like, you know, town next door to me, broad daylight in a grocery store parking lot, you know, someone's just jumping underneath the car there and, and, uh, sawing off the catalytic converter. So massive theft ring busted great to see the other the the main reason i included this also is in the context of crypto i know in reading you know is you probably are aware if you've listened in the past i keep a close ear down for you know what the haters are saying about crypto this large growing faction i really you know like to keep educated on that understand the different points of view and one of them is that all of crypto is a scam. There are scams everywhere. And there are, you know, it's, it's. I'm not going to say that crypto isn't especially bad, but there's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot. And here's just one example, completely outside of crypto, millions and millions being made stealing catalytic converters. November 3rd, Zelic is proud to be the first audit firm backing their audit with a real stake. Grab this from the ETH Security Telegram. Certainly like a product promo you know, or marketing thing, but conceptually it's something that I think is cool. So you have auditors and they're putting up real stake behind their audits. So it's one thing to have someone pay you $40,000 to audit their contracts and then you go get owned and there's there's no there's no stake there but if the auditing firm puts some stake up behind their work you know is that a more interesting premise i think so i think it's cool it's the first time i'd heard of this or i don't know maybe i feel like there was something a couple years ago about it but anyways Check that out if it sounds interesting. I've got some notes on a Bitcoin puzzle. I like these things and people make the the pictures, images, you know, however. And you kind of got to decode them, videos, and there's little clues. And if you solve it, you get the coin. This guy just had a puzzle out for a while, gave some clues. Somebody finally solved it. And then he walked through how he made it. So if you're into the Bitcoin crypto puzzles, you can check that out. November 6th, the IRS is building hundreds of crypto tax evasion cases. Not surprising. They're staffing up. And with the latest bull market, the latest bull run here, um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be an ongoing thing. So, yeah, pay your, your taxes, people. In fact, I'm finishing up this show to jump on a meeting with my, my tax guy. Right now, actually, it's quite a process with crypto, but uh, it can be done. It's just hairy, a lot of work. I don't know. That's my that's my take on it. I get it. I know that there's the libertarians and the cypherpunks, and there's all a lot of different views on it. I think for me, it's simply a matter of like what's going to allow me to sleep at night. You know. Um, but hey, 
if you are doing the Puerto Rico thing, if you're, you know, uh, going a different direction, good for you. You know, I don't know. I'm going to digress too much into the tax conversation, but, uh, that where's that article from? That's from cryptopotato.com. All right, a couple more here. Telegram feeds of all theory messages. Hey, we already talked about that. And the, uh, oh, this one's fun. The Immunify leaderboard. Check this out. It's a white hat leaderboard for people that have, what they've earned claiming bug bounties. What do you think? The number one, the highest scoring white hat total earnings. Four reports that they've been paid on. $13 million. It's like, definitely, sometimes I see this stuff as we've been putting together ID Gen, and I think maybe I should be out there hunting for bugs on contracts, you know? And obviously, this person's the exception. They're in the top, but number two, $10 million. Number three, $7.75 million. So, yeah, there is money to be made. I'm sure it's highly competitive and it's not easy. But go out there, find those bugs, and get paid legitimately. That's true white hat. You know? I don't know. I guess we just maybe need new terms. Anyways, that's it for today. Be moving on. Bummed that we couldn't connect up with Hunt for this one. Things got hectic this morning. And... I like to really try and make sure we get one of these out a week and we're aiming for this earlier in the week release. So there is pre-processing or, or post-processing stuff. Last week, I put the episode up. I was in a bit of a hurry. I put a picture of French fries. I got shit for it on Reddit, which in hindsight, I guess I shouldn't be totally surprised. But um, yeah, so there's pre-processing work. I got to get some get some stuff done to get the episode posted hope you guys are enjoying it as usual i will say it uh if you like what you hear go rate the show on spotify give it to a friend or two help us build up that following we're kind of in a niche and a niche a niche i grew up with niche and then then i heard niche and i'm like i don't know it probably doesn't matter we're in a niche and we're looking to, you know, expand and uh, build that following. So please share it. Let us know what you think. Reach out. And thank you for listening. It's definitely appreciated. And I'm happy that we are growing. We're, we're seeing new listeners each week. We've had some Reddit posts that hit. And it's fun. We're going to keep it up. Thank you again. Peace.